How's everybody doing? Come in, grab a seat. We're going to get started. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. Everybody sounds good this morning. Must be that cool air that we're having in these mornings here. I like it. How do you guys like the weather? Good? Yeah, the last couple of days have been amazing. Something we didn't get last year. I think we were talking out there in the, the cafe earlier. It seemed like last year by now it was like 95 degrees and just hot. And it's not that yet. It's really nice. I got a chance to go golfing yesterday. My twice a year that I get to do it now. And it was a lot of fun. It was cool weather. It was almost too cold. I, I thought it was supposed to be warm and I wore shorts and I was freezing to death for the first hour. <laughs> Made it hard to golf when I was shaking so bad, but it was a lot of fun. So um, this morning we're going we're gonna to jump in. We've been in an Envision series here at the Firehouse Church. We're going to jump into part six this morning titled Overcoming the Enemies. Um, I think it's been a, a really good series, a really good series. We've been focusing on discipleship. What does that mean? What does it look like? Um, we've also on Wednesday nights, for those of you who've been able to join us, we've been going through a, a Maturing Disciples class, Habits of Maturing Disciples. That's been a lot of fun, a lot of good discussion. Uh, I know we were talking again in the cafe this morning our group had a lot of good discussion <laughs> sometimes it went way too long but it was good it was very good everybody was thinking about it and thinking about how it applied to their lives and that's what we need to be doing we need to be focusing on those things we need to be looking at those things I've thoroughly enjoyed this series and in that class just as a refresher this is a refresher. Remember, good habits, habits that maybe we're not all doing, maybe that I'm not doing, things that I need to grow and that I need to get better at so that we can know God better, so that we can have a better relationship with Him. Um, after all, if you're a Christian, that should be your heart. Your heart should be the desire to know God better, desire to, to know His ways better, to be more like Christ. Um, hopefully, you know, that God's built that deep down into us. He has. He's put it deep down into us. And sometimes we just need to shake off the cobwebs of the world. We need to let, get the world just kind of shake it off, get it out of us, get it out of our minds and focus on what God says is important. This morning, we're going to look at three enemies, three enemies that can attack us when it comes to growing as disciples and things that um, can even take us out of the game if we aren't careful, things that can make us ineffective. We're going to take a sober and honest look at our lives. We're going to kind of look introspective. Hopefully this morning you can think of these. As we go through days, you can look at your own life and really just take an honest look. Take an honest look at your life and see where, where you're at. And if you're allowing any of these enemies to distract you, to take you out of the game, to make you ineffective for the gospel. If you find any there, let's attack them. Let's attack them. Along with Christ and each other here. That's what we're here for. That's what we're here as a body of believers to do, to help each other, to grow, to encourage to grow as disciples and let's help each other not be sidetracked. But first, before we jump into it, let's just pray and we'll ask God to bless our time here this morning. Well, God, we thank you. So this morning, God, we thank you that you have each and every person here that you want here this morning. God, you want to speak to our hearts this morning. God, I pray that you would help me just to get out of the way. God, that you'd speak through me. God, I pray that you would help us to understand truth. God, you'd help us to see these very real enemies that are prowling around about us that want to take us out of the game, that want to make us ineffective disciples, that want to Take us down a road that we that would be good for the devil and, and not good for us. You're not good for your kingdom, not good for you. God, I pray that you would help each one of us. Really, I, I think sometimes we can just brush over and go, oh, I, I, don't, I don't struggle with those things. God, we do. And we have a flesh. We have things around us that, that cause us to struggle. God, I pray you help us to see those, God, and you help us to figure out how to fight them better. God, how to stand up against them, how to stand up against our flesh, how to stand up against the devil and the world, God, and just stand for you. God, be a light for you. Be spreading truth for you. God, again, I just pray you bless these next few minutes here as we work through this. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so let's jump right in. The number, the first enemy we're going to talk about is the flesh. The flesh. The flesh is one of the most pervasive enemies that we fight. 
That's because no matter where we go, we can't get away from it. It's part of us. It's something we're born with, and it will be with us until the day we die. It's with us. The flesh we're talking about here refers to the fallen nature, the fallen nature of man. It's our tendency to live in pride, to be disobedient, to be selfish, to rebel against God, to rebel against what God would have us do, to rebel against our authorities and everything God's put around us. Some people say that children are born perfect and that we as parents are the ones that mess them up. If you're a parent here, and I know there's a lot of you parents here, um, you know that that's not true. <laughs> you know that that's not true. Children are born with a fallen nature, and we see it crop up, even in our youngest children. They're selfish, and they want their needs and desires taken care of to the detriment of others. Um, I know I have a one-and-a-half-year-old, um, almost two now, but what are the things you see in those young kids? What is it? Mine! 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 That early. <laughs> That's what you hear. It reminds me of a, a clip when I, when I hear my son say that because he sounds so much like it. If you've seen Finding Nemo and if you're a parent, you probably have it memorized by now. I've seen that movie a lot. <laughs> Maybe too much. But when it came back out, it's coming out in the theaters. I don't think it's out in 3D. I was like, oh, they're just milking it. More. They're going to get more money out of this movie. But there's a scene in that movie where the seagulls are standing on, on, a, like some, on a pier and they're catching the fish and the crabs are coming up and they're saying, mine, 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 mine. That's exactly what my son sounds like when he wants something. It can be anything, but he wants it and he wants it now. And you can see that. It's, it's, just, it's built into us. It, it's given um, to us. It's part of who we are. Flesh is something that we have to learn to control. We have to learn how to do that. It's not something that comes easy. It takes time. It takes discipline. And we really have to focus on that. Those of you who read the Faith Walkers Journal, how many of you guys are reading that? How many of you know that, what those are? If you don't know what they are, it's a daily devotional our movement puts out. We have a, the new ones just came in because I think they ended a couple days ago. The last one did. They're up there on the table in the cafe. But it's just a, a daily devotional that a bunch of the pastors and pastors' wives in our movement write thoughts in. And so each day you can read those, read their thoughts and get a thought out of it. But a couple of days ago, Pat Sokol shared a thought. I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, it speaks directly to this issue of flesh. And so instead of me trying to paraphrase it, I'm just going to read it to you. So those of you who read it this week, you might be going, all right, all right. Well, you're going to hear it again. <laughs> so here it is. He titled it, Crybaby Flesh. And he bases it around this verse, 1 Timothy 4, 7 and 8. He says, Rather train yourselves for godliness. So while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. He goes on to share this thought. He says, We have the hope that maybe somehow it will get easier to say no to our flesh. But your flesh is always there to yip and whine. The flesh is a big crybaby. It's your enemy. Your flesh will always want to stay where it is warm and comfortable. It seeks immediate comfort without regard for real value. The flesh never goes away, but it can be trained. Disciplines like fasting and making your body uncomfortable occasionally can help with that process. There's a value in saying no to your flesh. This is a long process of training yourself in what is of real value. Your flesh grows when you feed it. I enjoy a good cup of coffee. I like watching sporting events every now and then. I enjoy lots of fun things. But do you spend the majority of your time feeding your flesh? It's easy to spend a lot of time resting, eating, making ourselves look good, entertaining ourselves, and finding ways to make our life comfortable and happy. If that is your pattern and your practice in life, don't be surprised if the voice of your whiny flesh gets louder. Feeding the flesh does not necessarily mean you are sinning or that every activity is sinful. It means you are coddling your flesh and making its life easier. It's not the way of discipline and maturity. You have to make choices that say, I want something more. I really appreciated that thought. It spoke right to it, right? As I was preparing for this teaching, I was like, wow, 
God must want me to share this on Sunday morning. That's really good. Men and women, are you coddling your flesh? Is that the attitude you take toward it? Like he was sharing there. Do you coddle your flesh? Are you letting it get the run of the roost in your life? Are you letting your flesh determine your decisions? To be successful in this area, you have to know what the deeds of the flesh are. What is the flesh? And then we have to figure out what attitude we have to take towards it, towards the flesh and how to overcome it. Here's a verse in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says this, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The rest of that verse, I think, is on the next page there, on the next slide. When we read this list, our, our mind tends to say this. What does it tend to say? I don't do those things. That's not me. I don't do those things. I'm okay. Those aren't an area I struggle with. But if we're honest with ourselves, each one of us either has fought some of those areas or we're currently fighting those areas in our life. Whether it's anger. Maybe you get anger, angry when things happen. Maybe it's, it's some of those other things. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's idolatry towards something you have that you just can't let go of. There's a lot of those things that we have in our daily lives and we need to work on them. We need to bring them out. We need to figure out what they are. And then we need to figure out what our attitude needs to be towards them. Here's another verse. Galatians 5.17 says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. There's an internal battle waging war inside of us. There's our flesh on one side, and if you're a believer, you have the Spirit in you. Those two are constantly fighting against each other, and we can feel it. We feel it all the time. We feel it when we have those decisions where we step up to the plate and go, oh, I could, I could do this thing that, that would coddle my flesh, that would, be, would feel really good. But then the spirit on the other side of science going, no, that's not good, no. Walk away, walk away. So the clear question here becomes, what attitude should I have when it comes to the works of the flesh? What should our attitude be? Good thing God gave us his Bible, because there's a lot of good, good things in there about it. Let's look at a couple of them here. He gives a couple really clear answers. This first one, Colossians 3.5, he says, Put to death, therefore what is earthly in you. Put it to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetous, which is idolatry. He says, put it to death. Kill it. Get it out. Another verse, 2 Timothy 2.22, So flee your youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. So we're to flee. He says flee those passions, flee those youthful passions. Just get away from them. Another one, Romans 12.21, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So three clear things right there. He says we must put to death the flesh and the fleshly things in our lives. We must flee from them. We must pursue other things such as righteousness, faith, love, peace. We must not let them overcome us, but instead overcome them, overcome the evil with good. Those are some really clear truths. Is that the attitude you have when it comes to these areas of the flesh? Is that what you try to do? Is that something that you really try and live out or do you just give in? Do you just give in? It must be your attitude or you're going to be overcome by it. I guarantee it. You're going to be overcome by the flesh. You'll find yourself over and over again at the same place asking the same question. Why can't I overcome this area of the flesh? Why can't I overcome it? Why does it just keep attacking me? And the answer sometimes is so simple. 
And it, it comes in a question. Are you running away from it like Usain Bolt, the fastest man in the world? Are you fleeing from it? Are you turning around and running in the opposite direction when it comes up to you, when you have that choice? Or are you one of those people who creep up to the edge of the cliff and you get just as close as you can? Maybe you're down on your belly and you're peering over the edge just to see how close you can get without falling. Is that your attitude? A lot of the times we, we do that because we want the feel-good pleasure of the flesh. We, wanna, we want that feel-good. For just a few moments, whatever it is, we, we crawl up, we just want to get so close, but what happens to people when they get too close to the edge? They fall. They fall. And they die. <laughs> and that's the reality of it. That's what will happen to us if we keep that attitude of, how close can I get without actually doing it? You're going to fall into that area of sin. You're going to be overcome by it. Men and women, we need to flee. We need to flee. Remember that. Just flee. Flee, flee, flee. It doesn't make us cowards. It doesn't make you a coward. It doesn't make you go, oh man, I, I can resist this area of, of sin if I just get up really close to it. That has nothing to do with it. Running, turning and running is not bad. Turning and running is what like God calls you to do. It doesn't make us a coward. It makes us wise. It makes you wise when you flee from those areas of sin, when you flee from the flesh. Quick story here. My brother-in-law, Mike, you might have heard this. Mike Whitney, when he was younger, he was a wrestler there at Brighton. Um, he, he was going to a tournament, and he was one of the really good wrestlers, so he was on varsity when he was a freshman. And uh, he went to the, some tournament somewhere, and, and Rick had told these older boys, they were seniors and juniors, to watch out for his boy. Take care of my boy. Watch out for him, because Mike was just a freshman. And so these older guys thought it would be funny. They pull up to a store and have Mike go buy him some porn. Okay, here's some money. Go in this gas station, buy some porn. Um, so they get to the gas station. Mike jumps out, and what did Mike do? Mike ran. <laughs> and he just kept running. And he ran, and he ran, and he ran. And these guys came up to him, and were like trying to get him to stop. Mike, stop, stop. We don't need you to buy porn anymore. Just get back in the car. Dad wants us to take care of you. He fleed. You think that's funny, but was that good? That was very good. It kept him away from peer pressure, falling into that sin and falling into sexual immorality and seeing those images that you can't ever get out of your mind. He was smart. He was very smart. We need to be that way too. We need to flee. Who cares what other people think about us? If we know it's wrong and the Bible says it's wrong, flee. Flee from it. Don't let it get a hold of you. Don't fall into it and be overcome by it. So that's our first enemy, the flesh. Our second enemy here, and they sort of kind of tie together, is the world. Every time the Bible talks about the world, when you see it, it talks about it in a negative sense. Essentially meaning that it's opposed to God when it talks about the world. It's referring to the world system, its philosophies, its lifestyles, its ethics, its purposes, what the world is about. Here's a verse in John 2, 16 and 17. It says, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life, is not from the Father, but it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So everything in the world appeals to one of three things. It either appeals to the desires of the flesh, the lust of your eyes, and the pride of life, your pride. And those things are passing away. It says they're temporary. The temporary things, they're going to be gone at some point, all of those things. Everything in the world is temporary. Everything around us here is temporary. It's going away. But God is eternal. God is eternal. And that verse says it. It says He abides forever. And we're going to do His will instead of the will of the world. That's what our attitude needs to be. So what does that mean practically? You ask yourself, what does that mean? Well, what does that mean? What does that mean? Withdraw from the world? Okay, are we supposed to withdraw from the world and have absolutely nothing to do with it? Lock ourselves in a bunker and live there for the next 60 years until we die? No. No, that's not what we're going to do. God makes it really clear that we're to reach out to this lost world. We're to reach out to the lost world with His love. 
We see that here in 1 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. It says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. He's talking about don't associate with sexually immoral people in the church, people who call themselves brothers. He says, you need to associate with these people. You need to share love with them. You need to share truth with them. Instead, we need to embrace who God has made us. We need to be children of light. We need to be God's children. That's what he's called us to. We need to be his lights in the world. We must not love the world and the things of the world, but instead be lights. Be lights to a world that is becoming increasingly dark. And you can see it all around us. Seeming, it seems like it's moving faster and faster that way. It seems to be getting darker and darker every year and quickly. Tom Short is a great example of this to me. Those of you who know Tom Short, he's one of our the great men. He's a campus preacher in our movement of churches. Goes around a lot of different campuses um, in Europe, in India. He's all over. He's just sharing the gospel. He's sharing it boldly. He's standing up. He's constantly being a light. He's not letting the world pull him out and not letting the darkness of the world stop him from sharing truth. He's being a light wherever he goes. And we need to be more like that. We need to not be caught up in this darkness, so caught up in it that when we try to be a light, no one can see our light. We need to be a bright, shining light. That people look at us and they see we're different. They want something. They see something in us that they want. We need to be that way. If we love the things of the world, we will become corrupt. That's the reality of it. And not pure and holy, and we won't have good character. We see that here in this verse in 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 33. It says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Bad company ruins good morals. If we run with the world, our morals are going to be corrupted. They're going to be ruined. We're not going to be light. God says that the world's way of thinking is corrupt, and so again, we must overcome it and not let, us, not let it get its hooks in us. There's a lot of different ways it does that. It does that in marketing. It does that in pride. And Oh, we need more money. We need this. We need this. We need this. We need to be this type of person. There's so many ways that the world will try and pull us out of the game and get us focused on money, get us focused on our pride and what we're supposed to be. But what happens is we get separated from God. We get separated, we turn away from Him, we, and, and we stumble. And this world is stumbling towards its death. It is. It's, it doesn't even know it. And it's eternal separation from God. They're so focused on the world and what it says that they don't see the truth. And we need to be the people that are sharing that truth and helping people realize that this world is not a good thing. This world is not a good thing and it's headed to a not good place. It's going to be destroyed with fire. And we need to be truthful and honest with people and share God's love with them. Alright, the third enemy. And this one again is, is kind of in all of these areas. The last enemy we're going to look at is the devil himself. The devil himself. The devil is an angel who rebelled against God before the creation of the world. He rebelled. He didn't want to do what God wanted to do. He wanted to do it his way. He's destined. It says in the Bible that he's destined to spend eternity in the lake of fire. But until then, he's free to roam around here on earth and to deceive and to tempt people here on earth. The chief characteristic and strategy of the devil can be seen here in this verse. John 8.44 says, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The devil at the core is a murderer and a liar. There's no good in him. There's no good in him. All he stands for is evil, and, and that's what makes him so dangerous. That's what makes him so dangerous. His plan of attack is this, and you can see it here in this verse in 2 Corinthians 11.3. It says, But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. 
He's a deceiver. And He desires to lead us away from our relationship with Christ. That's His main goal. He wants to fill our head with lies so that we'll turn away from Christ. He wants us to believe untruths. He wants to twist God's Word. He wants to twist it and make us doubt what it says. He wants us to think that God is holding us back, that He's not telling us something important that we need to know. And He's keeping us in the dark. You see this deception in the whole story of Eve in the garden there, in the Garden of Eden. The serpent deceived her and and got her to believe something that wasn't true. And she believed the serpent. She fell into that deception. And she ate from the fruit, from the tree, that, that God told them specifically not to eat from. So if the devil's prowling around like a lion, looking to deceive and to devour, how are we to resist him? What can we do? What weapons can we use? Let's take a look at what Jesus did when the devil tempted him. I'm going to read this. We're going to read this passage, and then we're actually going to watch a short clip from the Bible, the miniseries that was on TV here, that I think really plays this out really well. But it says this in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, And Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. We're going to watch a short clip here. You'll see this play out. There's not a whole lot of words. That's why I wanted to read it. Let's watch this.
Jesus resists Satan's temptations and prepares to begin his mission. But it will be without John the Baptist. All right. Those of you who haven't watched that miniseries, I highly challenge you, highly encourage you too, to just go watch it. It's really good. It really uses the Bible very well there. We saw these verses right there play out. What, what weapon did Jesus use in that interaction there? He used God's Word. He used the Bible. What a blessing, again, to have such a powerful weapon at our disposal. Such so easy in our country we can have these so easily. They're, they're ones here. They're, they're everywhere. We have them in our homes. What a very powerful weapon. But we must know it. We must know His Word. We have to have it written on our hearts so that we can't be easily swayed or deceived. Because what did the devil do there? What did the devil use? What weapon did the devil try and use? He tries to use the Bible as well. He was using verses from the Bible, but he was using it to deceive. He was leaving things out. He wasn't taking it in context. He was trying to deceive. He was trying to get Jesus to fall into his trap, to fall into his trap of deception. And the devil will do the same thing to us. We have to be careful. We have to not allow ourselves to be deceived by it. We must know His Word, and we must know it intimately. We have to be in it. That's the only way we can get to know it. We have to be reading it. It has to be one of our habits. We talked about that a few weeks ago. We have to be reading God's Word, and we have to be doing it regularly. And by that, we'll, we'll grow in our faith. We'll have a strong faith, and we'll be firm, and we'll be confident in it, because we'll know truth. We'll have truth behind it. It won't just be on hearsay. We'll be building our faith on truth. We need to do that. We need to be using it. If for the fourth, the attacks of the devil, if you really want to get in this battle and you want to win, that's our best and strongest weapon is the Bible. Use the Bible. Use prayer. Be in a relationship with God. Be trusting Him with your life. So these enemies might seem strong, and they might seem like they will never overcome them. Our flesh, the world, the devil. But the truth is, if we're reading the Bible and we're growing, if we're growing every day in our relationship with God, He will grow our knowledge. He'll grow us in our knowledge. He'll grow us in our confidence in Him. He'll grow us in our faith. He'll give us the weapons we need to fight against these three areas, the flesh, the world, and the devil. He'll bless us with amazing fellowship. He's done it right here in this group of other believers who can encourage us and who can strengthen us. That's what He's given us this group. That's what He's given us the church for. He'll use it, and He'll use it. He'll use the church. He'll use us to share truth and love and to be lights in this world that, again, it's just getting darker and darker every day. We can look at the newspaper and just see all the evil that's running rampant in this world. God wants us to be a light. After all, that's the mission He's given us as His disciples. He wants us to share the gospel with the lost. He wants us to be a light. He wants us to share truth. He wants us to see the lost come to know Him. He doesn't want them to stumble and fall into eternal separation from Him. He wants to see them saved. He wants them to turn and to just personally accept Him. It's such a simple thing. It's such a simple thing. It's a free gift. They just have to accept it. And that's, our, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to be a light so that those people can accept it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for your truth. God, we thank you that you've given it to us. God, we thank you that we have your word. God, we thank you that we can read it. God, we thank you that we can write it on our hearts. God, well, I do pray that you help each one of us here to resist these enemies. God, to run from them, to flee from them, just like Mike did years ago when those guys wanted him to buy porn for him. Just run. God, I pray we would have that attitude. Help us to flee. Help us to turn in the opposite direction and run. God, that we wouldn't climb up to the edge of the cliff and be peering over wondering what it's like to sin and to get that pleasure from it. God, help us to resist temptation 
of the flesh, the world, and the devil. God, the devil would have would like nothing better than to pull us out of the game, to yank us down, to make us fall into an area of sin. God, help us to resist the devil. Help us to work together. God, we thank you for this family. God, we thank you for our small groups and, uh, and this church as a whole. God, that we are here for each other. We're shoulder to shoulder with each other here fighting this battle, fighting the battle against the world and the flesh, fighting against the devil. God, and if, if the devil is smart, he's going to look to a place like this because if he can take out a church, if he can take out a small group, if he can take out one of us, he's, he's doing something. And I pray, God, that we would be strong, that we would resist, that we would flee from his temptations, that we would flee from his deception, and we would believe truth. Help us to do that this week. God, I pray that you'd give us an opportunity even this week in our quiet times to really take an introspective look at our lives, to look at our lives and see our flesh and and some of the areas we may be stumbling here, that we may just have given up on because we couldn't figure out how to overcome it, and so we've just let it run rampant in our lives. God, I pray you would help us to resist. You would help us to just ask a brother, talk to a brother, talk to a sister, come alongside them and just share what's going on in your life, God. And we can pray for each other, God. We can share truth with each other. We can encourage each other in this battle, God. It's a tough battle. It's getting tougher every day. God, I pray you help us to be lights, God, that we wouldn't be just like the world, but people would see us as different. They would see us as lights on a hill, God, and they would come here looking for you. God, help us to share you and your love. But again, I thank you for this morning. pray you would really just bless the rest of our days. You would bless our weeks ahead. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, thanks for joining us this morning. Again, worship night this Wednesday night back here, 7 p.m. We would love to have you come join us. Um, we are going to, the teaching part of it is really just going to be sharing some announcements, what's going on for our summer schedule, as well as some plans for the fall that we feel God's leading us into. Excited about the fall, and we'll just pray about them together. And we'll, again, we'll do a lot more worship and take communion together. So join us on Wednesday nights, and have a good rest of your day. Thanks, guys.